I'm Haley B. Miller, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the Election Day edition. This week, we're breaking down everything you need to know about issues one and two, which are going to be on Tuesday's ballot. And perhaps even more importantly, what comes next if either of them pass? Joining me to dive into this today is Jesse Ballmer. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. We're almost there. We are. Another day, another election. All right, so let's go in ballot order and start with issue one. So this would put the right to abortion access in the state constitution, along with the right to birth control and other reproductive care. Ohio is the seventh state to vote on abortion access since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe, but we're the only ones doing it this year. So all eyes will be on us, which kind of seems to be the theme of this year. Jesse, what else is in this amendment and how does it compare to Roe? Yeah, so this amendment would enshrine access, as you said, to abortion, fertility treatment, contraception, miscarriage care, and continuing one's own pregnancy in the state constitution. And abortion could be limited after viability, which is about 24 weeks gestation. And then after that point, doctors could perform abortions in order to save the pregnant patient's life or health. And so um, Ohio Attorney General did a analysis of this and said that it goes beyond Roe. Proponents of this measure are saying that that viability standard is about where we were at Roe v. Wade, which of course was overturned last year by the U.S. Supreme Court, which is why we're kind of here. It's up to the states, state lawmakers and state voters to make decisions about abortion now. And you've spent a lot of time with people on both sides of this. What's kind of the pro-con list for this amendment? Yeah, so proponents of this would say that this amendment is needed to fight back against the abortion policy of Ohio's predominantly Republican, predominantly anti-abortion legislature. The Ohio legislature has passed bills over the past decade that have reduced access to abortion. Most prominently in 2019, they passed a bill that supporters called the Heartbeat Bill. Essentially, this banned abortion after embryonic cardiac activity was detected, which was as soon as six weeks gestation, which is a point where a lot of people don't know they're pregnant yet. That law was in effect for 82 days right after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, and there was a lot of media attention. There were people that were going outside of the state to obtain an abortion. There were doctors who were really confused about the exceptions and when that was allowed and when that wasn't allowed. And so that kind of led to this measure. People are saying we need to clear this up. We need to have more access to abortion than what Ohio law would intrinsically allow. Currently, that law is on hold, and so abortion is legal in Ohio up through 21 weeks and six days. The opponents would say that this measure goes too far, that the language is too broad, and that it would allow for abortions later on pregnancy or potentially address things like parental consent. And just a quick sidebar for our listeners that don't know, abortion opponents have had quite a foothold in the state for some time. The six-week ban was sort of created in Ohio by advocates in Cincinnati, right? Yeah, it was really like cooked up. The idea came from Ohio. It actually passed in other states first because it had a kind of winding road to actually passing in 2019. And and Governor Mike DeWine, who's our Republican governor, signed it. So, But this type of policy is something that Republican lawmakers have been working towards for quite some time. Yeah. 
A couple of the talking points that we've heard from opponents and this election and back during the August special election is that this would affect parental rights and could even wade into the issue of transgender medical care. What do we know about how true or not those claims are? Yeah, so current Ohio law on abortion requires that if a minor is going to have an abortion, they need to get consent from either their parent, their guardian, or in a super rare circumstance, you can ask a judge for a bypass saying like, hey, my parents are going to be okay with this, but here are like the legal reasons why it would be allowed. That's very unusual, but it's an option. And so that law is at issue. The proponents of this measure are seeing that parental consent isn't addressed in the language at all. And so it could continue. They're also saying that minors are granted fewer rights than adults, even in really closely held beliefs. Things like guns sales can be restricted to minors or First Amendment rights can be restricted for students, for example. The opposition is saying that the way that the words are written in this amendment, that it is too broad or too vague. It uses words like individual instead of woman or, you know, adult person. So ultimately, it's going to come down to a judge to determine what this language means. And if you look at the judges here in Ohio, the Ohio Supreme Court has a 4-3 majority on Republicans seems unlikely that they would take a really liberal or expansive view of parental rights in Ohio. So that's a long answer, but that's kind of where we are on parental consent. As far as um, transgender medical care or or so forth, that seems like an even further stretch. I don't think that it would be impacted at all. Yeah, and it's been interesting because we've seen opponents kind of stray away from that argument since August. And I think part of that is because of Governor DeWine, it seems like. He and others sort of in the same camp as him think that that argument really just didn't hold any water and that it shouldn't be the focus of opponents for the campaign. Really what the opponents have been focusing on in the final days here are talking about parental consent and then abortions later in pregnancy. Those have been their key um, issues they've been talking to folks at the door about. Interesting. And I want to talk about Governor DeWine real quick. He is very against abortion. As you noted, he signed the six-week ban into law. And that law does not have any exceptions for cases of rape or incest. And he was behind that at the time. He stood by that policy. But now it kind of seems like he's changing his tune. Yeah. So Governor Mike DeWine has been pro-life really for his entire political career. It's kind of consistent with his interests in in children and and so forth. And so this is a really consistent policy position. I think personally, he believes that um, life begins at conception. And so that led to a lot of the bills that he signed. Right now, he's talking about saying that Ohio lawmakers could go back and take a look at this six-week ban or tweak it. We've really seen no indication from Ohio's Republican lawmakers that they would be interested in that. And so the governor's next step is saying, well, okay, if the lawmakers are not that interested, we could go back and put another ballot initiative on the ballot. So, you know, voters will have to decide if that's the right approach. All right, let's move on to issue two. This is the proposed law that would legalize recreational marijuana for adults 21 and older. It would put a 10% excise tax on marijuana products in addition to the state sales tax. And this money would go to a few different state funds and municipalities with dispensaries. That's kind of the 
quick and dirty rundown of what's going to be on the ballot, although it is like a 40 page law that voters are not going to see the full details of when they go to vote. Makes sense. So I have a few questions for you on this one. Go for it. Okay. So who could purchase marijuana in Ohio if this passes? And could you grow it at your home? How much could you grow? Yeah, adults can grow up to six plants at home or up to 12 plants if it's a household with multiple adults. And this is a pretty big win for proponents of marijuana in the state. They've wanted home grow in the medical program for a really long time. In terms of personal possession limits, you could possess 2.5 ounces of cannabis in any form except for extracts and then 15 grams of extract. Okay. And this is going to be taxed at 10% in addition to the sales tax. So where is that money going? So that is broken down into four different funds. There's a fund for the Cannabis Social Equity Program, which is an entirely different program that the statute creates that we can talk about in a second. The money also goes to municipalities with dispensaries, and they can use that money for pretty much any purpose as far as I know. Then it goes to a state fund to address substance abuse, and then like 3% of it just goes to program and administrative costs. And what is that social equity program? Yeah, so unlike other states, Ohio's proposed law isn't dealing in any way with expunging marijuana crimes or dealing with sentencing. Advocates say that because of Ohio's single subject rule, they couldn't cram that much into the proposal. So what they're doing instead is creating a social equity program that is geared toward minorities, people who are economically disadvantaged, people who have been sort of disproportionately targeted by marijuana prohibition, and it helps them get into the industry. It would reduce license and application costs and things like that and just do things to support these business owners while at the same time researching criminal justice reform and studying different alternatives that the state could propose. Easy enough. I guess who would grow marijuana in Ohio? Does this give a leg up to companies that are already in like the medical marijuana market right now? Very much so. The way that the licenses would be doled out is that cultivation, processing, and dispensary licenses would be available for companies that are already licensed under Ohio's medical marijuana program. And then there would be another 90 licenses in total reserved for the social equity program so people could grow and or open a dispensary under that threshold. But aside from those licenses, once those are doled out, no more licenses can be added for the next couple years. They say this is to ensure that the program gets off the ground smoothly. And then after two years, they'll have a better sense of sort of what the demand is, what the market is looking like, things like that. And then the state could add more if they wanted to. Okay. I know a lot of the opposition to this has been that it would make Ohio less safe, either for drivers or for maybe kids who would get marijuana like diverted. I guess how reasonable are those concerns? So the thing about legal marijuana is that even though states like Colorado and Washington legalized it maybe 10, 15 years ago now, it's still a relatively new phenomenon. So there are a lot of studies out there, for example, looking at how this affects traffic fatalities and accidents. And the studies are mixed. 
more of them suggest states saw an increase in accidents after legalization. But it's also complicated because marijuana stays in your system longer. And it's just hard to say with certainty, especially if someone had marijuana and alcohol in their system, like what was actually impairing them. We have seen a pretty significant increase in edible poisonings among young kids who have seen their parents edibles at home and decided to have one. But Ohio's law would not allow dispensaries to sell to children. It's just a matter of ensuring they don't get in kids' hands beyond that. Okay. And this is an initiated statute, not a constitutional amendment like issue one. So how likely is that lawmakers are going to change some of this and what might they change? At this point, they're definitely not going to repeal it, I don't think, which is a question kind of at the beginning of this. But they do want to make some changes. Senate President Matt Hoffman has said his policy priorities kind of depend on what the vote next Tuesday looks like. But I think there's some frustration with how the revenue is doled out. Michigan, for example, gives some of their marijuana revenue to roads and schools. And so there are probably some people here saying, why not do that? We may see some changes to the social equity program, things like that. So they've kind of kept their cards close to their chest, but I definitely expect to see some changes to this. And I guess I have one more question. We've spent, so probably your listeners have seen a lot of ads for Ohio Issue 1, both for and against it. Why has Issue 2 been so low-key? It's been really weird. I think especially compared to the, I wasn't here for this, but the 2015 legalization effort, from what I've heard, was pretty bananas. That campaign spent like $20 million, I think. And it's just been a lot quieter. And I think to some extent, they may benefit from sort of sliding under the radar being on the ballot with abortion. That was not their original intent. They wanted to be on the ballot last year, but I guess we'll see how it works out for them. And one more thing before you go, or actually a few things. Early voting for Tuesday's election wraps up Sunday, November 5th. Mail-in ballots must be postmarked by November 6th, which is that Monday. If you don't get them in the mail before that, you can bring them to your boards of election before the close of polls on election day. And then on election day, polls are open from 6.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Is there anything else voters need to know? These are the two big statewide elections, but on a lot of ballots, there's school board members, there's city council members, mayor in the city of Columbus. So there's a lot to check out as you go to the polls. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can check us out on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ohio Explained. 